praise is a praise is a hard thing. Yeah, and it has to be calculated. Right. Because I I searched for it when I was younger. I searched for it all the time, and you would get it. But then you started to realize when it was kind of like half-assed, like oh yeah, good job, whatever. Right. Now it means a little bit more when I get that uh you know good job once in a while or yeah. hey I see what you're doing. As a parent, that's important too. Like, I feel like you can't twenty four seven be like, "You're the greatest thing ever." Heck no! You know the, the the way that these, you know, especially I work in sports. I mean, the youth sports scene now with parents creating highlight videos and all their custom design bullshit that they fucking wear. Dude, yes. I I walked up to practice with my pads fucking hanging out. Yeah, shoulder pads oversized. Like, right. That's like, how you learn how to be an actual a dog. And like, what drives me nuts? So like, we used to have to like referee flag football games on the weekend in high school. It's like one of our like give back initiative stuff. Mm-hmm. I I got hurt on a Friday night. Spent an hour in the training room after the game. Then went home and slept. And then woke up at six in the morning to go ref these kids' games. And I have like a. Yeah. I have like my ankle wrapped up and I just went and saw the trainer and this dude comes out to me. I'm reading the flag football rules before we walk out there because it's some weird collection. And I get up there and I'm like five minutes in this game and this dude walks up to me. He's like, hey, you doing all right? I was like, yeah, why? He's like, you've missed like three calls and I just want to make sure that you understand the rules. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, I know that kids your age like to go out and drink and get hammered, but being hungover is no excuse for missing these calls. For I'm like, flag I'm football like, game. These are five year olds playing flag football. And like my girlfriend, like, so she didn't get to watch me play in high school or whatever. And then she saw me play at Hope and she's like, You, you live and breathe and die football. If you don't want to coach because it's too much of a time commitment, she's like, Why don't you referee? Because it's like, there's nothing in the world. Hour, yes. I was like, I'm sorry. Nothing in the world. I'm like, you wouldn't even have to pay me if the job, if I didn't have to deal with parents, you wouldn't have to pay me. a different level of quality when you do it with actual studio quality microphones right it's just and it's, i feel like it's probably just easier to like clean up at the end or well, you don't what, even have to clean it up at the end either yeah well yeah you do have to clean it up a little bit because you get the thing is with good microphones is you get breaths yeah. you also get <laughs> um tongue clicks before people talk oh, really yeah because people when before they say something they it's like a mental reset for some people. Like even like athletes have interviewed, yeah. they always before they answer a question, and it's like I have to handle that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. But they do it because they're trying to think of what am I going to say? Right. Let me buy myself this extra second by clicking my lips exactly. or whatever the instead of saying like uh so like yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and then some people fill it in with that. So yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a fucking preference thing. So you pick up on that. Um, so you do you do have to clean it up a little bit, but it makes it so much easier to listen to. I suppose right. everything about it. Yeah, like even the road if you don't have to deal with the every other yeah seconds. Like even the road to Detroit podcast that we did, it was like like we talked about a lot of the same stuff that other people talked about, and like we've probably interviewed similar people. I mean, the Tigers yeah. hand delivered us, but it's like the reason why it was good was because it's listenable. You can listen to it. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. 
put up with other like background yeah stuff which I, i'm lucky in that way i mean it's a lot of people have to get to that point right because there's like podcasts i listen to but if they decide like that they have to record out of their car that week and they yeah. can't make it in the studio which has happened yeah right I mean, you know but, but like if the quality of the conver- like the quality of the conversation can be way lower mm-hmm. if you can hear them like clearly and not have to put into work and understanding what they're saying yeah and listening to right where's that like if you're You're not interesting to me like so i listen to kelly stafford's podcast what's um, the name of her podcast uh morning after okay awesome okay it's awesome that's an a plus name i mean i like that right out of the gate yeah exactly so it's just (laughs) it's her talking about being a parent of four children under the age of five Mm -hmm. and then it's also her just being matthew's wife yeah like Did she mention the uh, the playoff implications at the end of the season? Yeah. She did. She talked about that. Oh, heck yeah. What'd she say? Well, she she says everything that Matthew can't, which I love. Like she'll like she'll harp on that if she rips oh, on the NFL all the time. Oh, yeah. She like <laughs> she's like concussions are the worst thing ever. Tua uh-huh. should never play again. Like right. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of says the stuff that Matthew can't. Um and she has on a lot of other NFL wives too, which also makes it really funny because mm. they all do the same. Like Matt Ryan's wife was on; she ripped on the NFL and she ripped on the Falcons. For everybody letting, knows, yeah, yeah, everybody knows. The only people they can't talk about it are the ones that are gamefully employed. Correct. Lose your yeah, job. love Sean McVay. Love yeah. the whole team. Yeah, exactly. She ripped on their O line earlier in the year, okay. like when he was playing. That I thought was hilarious. I mean, predictably, right? You know. But it's also like you will go out there and try to block. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude. <laughs> it's it's yeah. insane. I tried to block D3. Guy. I, I, I wouldn't ask for the Rams O-line job anytime <laughs> soon. Like, no. And the better these cameras get, I swear, the the better the broadcast quality gets, the more I feel like we get a respect for just how fast the players really Ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, Mozzie Smith at Michigan? Yeah. So I used to do like weekend practices with him in high school. Like like training sessions and stuff. Yeah, because they needed a center or whatever to fill in. Um, mm-hmm. It was like him, Dallas Fincher, who I think is at Michigan State now. Mm-hmm. Logan Thomas is uh, at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, like a bunch of those guys, and they just needed a center to fill in. And they knew I was going to be on like the All Star Game roster with them, so they just found my Instagram and hit me up. Mm. But practicing with those guys, you're like, you're like six three. 315 pounds and you run as fast as my running back and i'm not sure what i'm supposed to do with you like and he's lock, a, man like, yeah he's gonna be a day three pick or a day <laughs> two pick now like an nfl draft yeah. which makes yeah. me feel a tiny bit better right but it's like one of those things where it's like i don't know what people are supposed to do with yeah. you much well, less if you ran into like nfl guys who are I, just freaks what was it i was i was so i was researching because i had to do the birmingham groves warren de la salle yeah, semifinal game. Um, so I was doing some research. Um, Avery Gash is the the name of the kid. He's a tackle for Groves. Okay. If he ends up being Big Ten Freshman of the Year offensive lineman, don't be surprised, right? Um, yeah. He's just the meanest motherfucker I've ever seen play the position. Because they got down by three scores, and it, it, he just got to the point mentally to where he's like, "We're not going to win this game." So I'm, so I'm just going to go take it out. <laughs> I'm just going to go find someone and just bury him. You know what I mean? Every play he was doing that. But he was talking about how he's like, he's like, cause he's what, 6'5, 285, right? That's, that's good. That's a good size. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's They're a good gonna boy. put 30 pounds yeah. on him once he gets wherever, but yeah. But that's what, well, and that's exactly what he said. He goes, I- I'm big, but he goes, I think the starting, what was it, the starting tackle for Ohio State, 6'9, 330 or something yeah. like that. Like, 
it continues and it continues to get. But that's why there's levels oh, to yeah. football. Like basketball and NAI school can play an NCAA D1 school and they can stand a chance if they can shoot. Right. You know, I mean, that they're not favored to win that game. Don't get me wrong. Correct. But football is there's a reason why there's divisions in place. A hundred percent. And it's all <laughs> like what's funny is like a D3. Like I thought I thought going from high school to D3 was going to be like not the largest jump in the world because mm-hmm. I thought it, like if I had gone to Grand Valley, it would have been a lot bigger jump. I felt like in my mind, like yeah. top five D2 program in the country. Yes. Like there's a difference between top five D2 and bottom five D2. even. Mm-hmm. But like getting to hope and I was like, oh, no, these are just a whole bunch of guys who were two inches too short and got told they weren't good enough most of their life and made all conference their senior year mm-hmm. and are looking to take out their frustrations on the world. Mm hmm. And they're just all That's mean, good. nasty yeah. dudes yeah. that just didn't have the talent to play any higher. And those guys are awful to prep. Like they go, <laughs> they go 110% in practice. Yeah. They go 120% in games. Right. Like it's just not fun dudes to play against. Yeah. And I mean, some of these football programs have been around for forever, but Peyton Corcoran is joining us on this episode of the Hanging with Wang podcast. You did play at Hope, didn't you? Yeah. For a year? Yeah, a year. And then, yeah, so it was like a weird sequence of stuff where, like, so COVID finished off the last half of my senior year in high school. So, like, I felt, and my senior year of high school for football, we mm-hmm. went out in the second round. And so there's just a whole bunch of mixed feelings of, like, I feel like I missed out on all this stuff in the remainder of high school. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my football career didn't end the way I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So I kind of... I'd picked Hope A as like a school that I wanted to go to, just period. Mm-hmm. But then also like they just want to cut two back to back football uh like conference championships and they've mm-hmm. been the playoffs and like I didn't I didn't want to go to and a there's, I mean their facilities are top notch too. Right. I mean that's you know, that's hundred percent the thing about Hope is like it's a it's a D three school, yeah. but they got they got D one shit. Yeah. They built a three million dollar locker room two years ago. Like it, <laughs> Yeah. Like their locker room, not yeah, not lock, the stadium. No, but not the, the field. Locker room. No, yeah. yeah, locker room. They just built a new weight room five years ago that DeVos has paid for. Uh-huh. Like, I knew I was going to get really good stuff there, and it was not going to be a normal, I think, D three experience. Whereas if you go to like Trine or Albion, and you're the next closest bar is yeah. one, and then the next lot over is a farm. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Just, so I didn't want to do any of that. So people had told me like in high school, like, hey, just pick a college where you actually want to go to school if you tear your ACL. Because mm-hmm. just the gym that I worked out at had a lot of good people with good advice. And D1 to D3 athletes all told me like, hey, if your career gets ended early, which is a lot higher chance than yeah, you would think. Because right. no one tells you ever that it ends early. Like pick somewhere you actually want to be at school afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so like it was just it was an easy pick because I felt like I was going to a winning program and I felt like I was going to enjoy school there. Is that yeah. why you stopped injury? Yeah, like I I got to the point where like my bot like it just hurt. Yeah, like you you walk back from practice like with two ice bags on your knees and two on your shoulders and you just like have a hard time like functioning and like life afterwards. Mm-hmm. And like I was holding my own and I think I like I was going to compete for mm-hmm. the starting job with like another senior probably going in the next year and our old line coach really liked me and he just wanted me to get in the weight room more mm-hmm. but it was just one of those things where like like i'd met my girlfriend the summer before mm-hmm. i found out that i really actually didn't love football as much as i thought i just loved playing with the guys i played with in high school mm-hmm. and like once you get past that point like the putting your body on the line and mm-hmm. feeling like junk every single day didn't feel it's worth it because 
Like I wasn't playing with my buddies from high school. I was playing with a whole bunch of guys that I had barely met because of COVID and doing three COVID tests a week and lifting at four mm, thirty in the morning and yeah. walking through the snow to get to the weight room. Like it just like it's a job in college where but you felt it, like it was a ragtag bunch of group, a bunch of guys that like you couldn't interact sort of with, synergy or hang dirt. out with nothing. Like you couldn't. Like, we couldn't even go to each other's house and have a beer together. Like, it was just... They were just bad news. It was it? just locked down. Like, you couldn't uh, watch Monday Night Football together because yeah. campus was just shut down for COVID. Mm-hmm. So, it was just lift, go to class, and then sit in your dorm room by yourself with one other guy and have fun with all that and try and keep your morale up. And right. So, just by the end of the first year, I was like, I'm done. Like, I just... This yeah. Isn't, this isn't fun anymore. And the hardest part is, like, when you realize, you're like, I'm not going to go to the show no. So, like, how many more years am I going to allow myself to go through this in 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 before I finally call it quits? But once you do call it quits, then you miss it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I don't know if you do it all. I miss organized sports. I just miss the. I think the the ability to to maybe take out my day or something like that. Organized. You mentioned the bond with your teammates, like in high school and stuff like that. That's the shit I miss. But right, you know. It's like, how many more years am I going to give myself before I finally have to say this is this is it? Right. And it's like one of those things where like the bonds that you have in high school, like that's why I played. Mm. And then you get to college and the bonds aren't there anymore. Like you just have to love football at that point. And loving football gets a lot harder with like 4.30 a.m. workouts, mm. getting run over by just we had a six, seven kid, three, 25 who transferred from Grand Valley. Like he could <laughs> he got looked at by the line. We had four guys get looked at by the Lions one time. Like, I remember the scout coming in, and I was like, no. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, even the guys here are a little bit nasty enough to just be uh-huh. like, no, it, like, it just, if you don't love it anymore, like, I'm getting beat up by guys getting looked at by the Lions. Like, uh-huh. I'm good. I don't, right. I don't need this anymore. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's tough because obvi- high school, you're right with the bonds that you create with the guy because you also grew up with a lot of those guys. Yeah, you play with them seven, eight years. Like, yeah, you go and, over their house every weekend. You know the right. parents. You know everyone sitting in the stands. Right, and like and you love sent- the sports, so you want to continue playing. But it's like, what I'm going to go to Cleary. No offense to Cleary, but I'm going to go to Cleary and and play whatever and in front not, of 50 people in front of 50 pe- yes exactly yeah like like, like corner st- like in high school you have a couple thousand like yeah we had ten thousand for our playoff game versus Lowell one year and i remember yeah. just seeing people in every direct in yes. home games at high school we had two or three thousand people like caledonia hudsonville has like a division one college basketball environment when you go there to 100%. watch a game and then you go to Cornerstone, where some of these guys went. Cornerstone's won national championships, and yeah. they have multiple oh, banners, multiple yeah. banners, and they have 150 people in there. No one's making any noise. No. It feels like we're playing in a YMCA gym. That's why I love small college athletics. But I get why when athletes leave high school, they're like, "I'm not in a big rush to just go anywhere no. and play." There's no, there's no sort of incentive yanking me that direction. Ferris is back-to-back national champs, and their stadium's smaller than my high school one. Yeah, yeah, like and they probably back. draw less than what your high school did on a Friday They night. sent, they had, what, two kids drafted last year? On a, they have four in the NFL right now. Yeah. That played under a niece. <laughs> like, it just, like, they're ridiculous, and I don't, I don't, like, and they can't even get 4,000 at a, pl- mm-hmm. like, at a playoff game, mm-hmm. and so I just, I don't know it's how. It's almost a means to an end at that point. Yeah. Like, Division Two, I guess you're still kind of clinging, especially yeah. if you play at the top echelon Yeah, Ferris schools. and Grand Valley, it's different because you want, right. like, 
And Matthew yeah, the, Judon's going to finish top five in defensive player of the year vote. Like, you went to Grand Valley. Like, well, who was the GMAC offensive player of the year? He's a wide receiver for, for Northwood. I forget what his name yeah. is, but I mean, he's like transferring to Arkansas or something like that. Right. And that's why we have the transfer portal now. So you went to Hope. You understood that that was a school that you wanted to go to beyond your athletic career. You're still at Hope, right? Yep. Yeah. So the. The first half of the portion is football, like going there to play football. Mm-hmm. And the second half is like my, I knew what I wanted to do out of high school for a job. Mm-hmm. And so normal college degrees are 120 credits ish in four years. And the program I wanted to do to, you have to sit for the certified public accounting test, mm. you have to take 150 credits. And I didn't want to pay an extra year to stay in school <laughs> basically for a fifth year right. or go do a master's. So I was like, will you let me do 150 in four years? Because a lot of places actually just won't let you what does that, that you divi- do it? What is that divided by? So seventy five. What does that break down to per semester? So that's like thirty seven and a half per semester per year per year. Which so that's so that's that's about, about eighteen. Yeah, eighteen and a half a semester. Wow. And then you just you kind of feed in some classes over the summer. But it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to pay for it because that's why they won't let you finish it in four years is because they want you to pay an extra year of school yeah so that's why it was hard to find a college that let me do it and so so they by design they want you to stay five years no there's no incentive for colleges to graduate you in four is that's not unique to hope hope and one other school in wisconsin um carthage Mm. was other school i was looking at and they were the first ones to actually recruit me out of high school Uh um like my end of my sophomore year but Mm -hmm. um yeah, those were the two I was looking at because they were the only two that were going to let me finish 154 years. Like all the D2s, all the D3s I looked at, they were the only ones that were going to let me do it in wow. four years. Yeah, because I mean, I was five. I guess I didn't really, it wasn't, I don't think for me it was by design because I did transfer schools. So a lot of things didn't transfer over. But yeah, I realized there's no incentive to get you out in four. But uh-huh. I didn't realize that, at least in your field, it's, they expect five. Yeah, well, that like, and it's not even the. Thing, I mean, the classes are difficult, but it's not like I'm taking 150 engineering credits. Where, right. Like, it legitimately is a very, very, very difficult program to get through. Mm-hmm. Like, accounting's just if you can handle the coursework, which is really not that terrible if you mm-hmm. just mix in a gen ed every semester. Like, it's not that difficult if you put in the work to finish in four years. Yeah. And just they don't want you to be done in four years. They want no. they want that. For hope, they want the extra twenty five grand a year. Because why not, right? Yeah. And why? what's funny too is hope is the good guy in this situation. Like of the <laughs> of the fifty schools I looked at, right, that yeah. were all recruiting me too. Uh-huh. And I'm like literally go to a recruiter, like, will you let me do 154 years? No. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you the invite, time. but yeah, I'm not. Jeez. Like, there's no full scholarships here, so I am. I am not paying more out of my pocket than I'm going to have to. <laughs> So accounting, right? Yeah. Why? why you're a numbers guy then? Uh, uh, assuming good at math in high school, and my friends' parents who all did CPA work had nice houses, new cars, and seemed to be living pretty comfortable. So, literally, those are the only two motivating factors. Really? Yep. I but seemed good at it, and good at it, and making money. Yeah. I mean, is there is there like a thing that you dream of doing? Uh, I mean, like, so CPAs normally like you stick in the public accounting route for like three to five years and right. then kind of bow out because mm. then everyone wants you for some reason mm. because you worked on a Coca Cola or a 
Microsoft or someone like that. And so right. everyone automatically wants you after that. So like my ideal route would be in a private equity firm and like doing like assets and company buyouts and stuff like that and mm. just doing the audit work for all that stuff like making sure like hey their books are straight okay they're not spending money Ooh. in stupid places so you're the you're the one that could uncover some uh some shady in theory um, money okay yeah in like, theory you're not an investigator technically well so tech but uh technically i am okay so like um all the stuff that happened in 2008 where they found out like all of those like Enron, Telec, or WorldCom, mm -hmm. all those companies that were just super inflating their books to make themselves look really good and keep getting investments. Mm -hmm. Like that was all uncovered by like CPAs working at like big four firms. But you're working on that with multiple people or is that just you going through their files? No, like, so like I'm on a, I'm on a private client right now and there's still 20 some people working on it. Hmm. Like if you, uh, the company I work at, they have Ford. Mm -hmm. There's like a hundred people working on Ford, like oh. to audit it. And they're all working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. <sighs> and that's it. Like all year round, all they work on is Ford. So like, mm -hmm. that's how much it takes to audit like Ford. Like I can't, I can't imagine what it takes to audit like Coca-Cola, Microsoft, any Google, any of those places where it just like, it takes hundreds of people and like, tens of thousands of hours and i want to ask you like specifics but i feel like there's some terminology wrapped up in this that maybe i or the common person wouldn't understand when it comes to to finances yeah. but how do you keep your books clean while doing shady stuff though like you said super inflate that was the word that you were talking yeah about. so like the funny the funny stuff about accounting is when you take an ethics class you mm -hmm. learn that everything about tax evasion and like tax shelters and all that stuff is legal as long as you're not doing it for the sole purpose of evading taxes. So like creating tax shelters in the Caymans or doing all of this other stuff that you kind of see on TV shows is all totally legal as long as your main purpose for it is not to evade taxes. But that's so, the main purpose of it. Correct. So <laughs> the reason it's so hard to convict people on fraud uh -huh. is because you need to have written down somewhere. I created this tax shelter in the Caymans to specifically avoid U.S. taxes. Like that needs to be you written need, down. So you need the hard evidence somewhere. Really, yeah. So unless someone admits guilt in doing that specifically, you can't. Or stupid them. enough to write it in an email or their phones Text getting it, tapped send or something. Wow. You literally need it like physically saying, I am doing this to commit tax fraud so i'm trying to think of what big companies off the top of my head that i know that have gone down because of tax fraud a lot of them have been bailed out we know about that um yeah. anyone specifically off the top of your head so like the Any biggest studies that you know so like um like telecom is the one that we all study a lot so like what telecom did for a long time or for about three or four years to inflate their books is they took expenses which is like when you spend money on mm -hmm. stuff that you need for your business. Mm -hmm. And instead of recording them as an expense, they recorded them as an asset, which an asset normally for a company is like a building. Okay. Wow. We have this building and we can resell the building 10 years down the road for however much. That's why it's an asset is because it retains value. If they I did this every time or they just kind of. Yeah. Every time they bought a box of pencils, instead of recording it as a $2 expense, they recorded it as a $2 asset. Wow. Well, the box of pencils is gone and. 
you're, that's not yeah. You, there's no we, ROI. It's gone. Pencils. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not making any money off of reselling <laughs> yes. the pencils. Yes. So you can't. You're supposed to record it as an expense, and mm. you record it as an asset. Wow. Well, they did that with like three hundred and eighty million dollars of pencils and other stuff, and just made it look when they were losing money, Ouch. it made them look. So literally on your books, it made it look like instead of spending $380 million on this expense stuff, you had $380 million of assets instead. And so like it's literally a $760 million swing. Is this, is this were investors figuring out that they were losing their money? Is that where it came all came crumbling down? Auditors look at something, say, hey, this is fishy. Um, at the time, it was Arthur Anderson mm. like auditing them. So Arthur Anderson employees went to the government were like hey my manager says this is okay we were in on it but my manager says this is okay but this looks really fishy like pencils aren't pencils pens notebooks aren't assets it's mm. an expense and so you bring it to the fbi or whoever and you they're like oh yeah no this is totally right. wrong yeah we're gonna look into this take them down and i think madoff got what like a Seven-year sentence, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Something stupid. That, yeah. Like Should when you have, take yeah. millions of dollars from people. Yeah, you're seven sent, years. Right. Yeah, seven years at a tennis court. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, what do you make of all the cryptocurrency stuff now and the evolution of that? Yeah. It's funny. Like I work at a financial planning office too. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm not doing my internship right now, like I'll go back to working at a financial planning office. Okay. All right. No one besides 15-year-old boys on Instagram, like, touch that stuff. Uh, like, it's just, like, as, as unpredictable as the market is, like, it's at least sort of predictable. Crypto has no, there's no 100-year roadmap. There's no trends of up and downs. Like, you can study the market and see, like, trends and people react yeah. to stuff predictably right like there's a recession every 10 to 12 years Mm -hmm. okay like that's an automatic thing for the last 130 years like it just always 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 happens right there's 10 years of good and then there's three years of bad 10 years of good three like it's just kind of always happens on that cycle and you have the roadmap to the stock market Mm -hmm. there's no roadmap for crypto so like we don't unless a client at our Mm -hmm. financial plan office specifically tells us to buy it hands off um that so how do you assign value though to certain things like that dogecoin bitcoin because like the main question that was brought up to me is well what is the u.s dollar backed by not right there's no gold standard so it's just paper right right so like in theory yeah in theory money had like in theory money has however much value the u.s has in their reserve like gold and silver that they have in their reserves which no one really knows them like we think we sold mm. all this stuff however long ago it's definitely we definitely don't have dollar per dollar gold for so we don't even know if the actual value of what we're holding is the actual correct. value of what they're telling us but the thing is is that the u.s has never declared bankruptcy and has never defaulted on their loans so like that's why u.s currency is like the top dog is because mm. the u.s has never defaulted on their loans which will get interesting in the next five years but um they've mm. never defaulted on their loans so that's why everyone really uses like American dollars, it's just because the U.S. has never mm. faulted on their loans. So in theory, the advantage about crypto was that 
untraceable. You can transfer it to wherever. And that's actually useful if you if it's not being tracked or it can't be seized by anyone. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of these countries went in and made laws that you're they're able to seize it and track it and all this stuff. And then when it's not untrackable or all that stuff anymore, I think it loses a lot of value for people who have real money behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't lose value for the 14-year-old in this room who's trying to day trade, but yeah. yeah, for people with real money, I think it loses its value. So, Bitcoin in relation to a U.S. dollar, up and down, up and, and up down. And down. Oh. So there's no there's no way of ever predicting it. No, like it's. I mean, but like, how can I use Bitcoin to buy stuff? Well, like Elon was work? Elon was taking it for a while, but oh, I mean, okay. So I mean, Elon Musk yeah. says it's valuable all of a sudden. Correct. Yeah. It, Which it, actually helped its value. If you if Bitcoin would be benefited if everyone let you pay for stuff with Bitcoin, because then it would actually give it actual buy, buying power. Mm-hmm. But do you have a better view in your position? Do you have a better understanding of what banks do with our money? No. I mean, like, honestly, like, are you, are you the, in the, the system? Because I mean, I, like, I'm not sort of. I mean, like the easiest way I explain it to people is like, okay, we give money to banks and we get interest on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you put in a savings account and you get uh, 1%, 2% maybe mm-hmm. on a savings account. Well, then they loan it back out to you to buy a house at what? Four, five. That's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. We give it to them and get 2%. They give it to someone else and they get four or five. Mm. That's pretty much I mean the only easier way to make money is to own a casino and just have people give it to you mm-hmm. out of free will and you give them a couple of slot machines to look at but like yeah that's the easiest way to do it is like okay we're a safe place to leave your money here's 2% for leaving it here we're going to give it to someone else to go buy a house and they're going to pay us back for 30 years and mm-hmm. end up paying a million dollars for a $300,000 house does, <laughs> does it drive you mad though looking at numbers and spreadsheets and i mean talk to me about what the shift has been like because i feel like in accounting once upon a time there used to be a lot of accountants because you needed a personal accountant for everybody to do their taxes i can't look at the legal documents and do it myself Uh is that still a thing and if it is are you just working with mostly just rich people people who can afford to have an actual person Sit right. down and look at their stuff. At the financial planning place, that's definitely true. Like we specialize in like high net worth clients. Um, so it is yeah. it's a lot of two million dollars in an account and mm-hmm. we need you to manage it or whatever and like fill out our taxes. But mm-hmm. for the most part, like it's not worth it. The hard part about um doing your taxes would be like itemizing stuff, mm-hmm. which is basically when you say, like, I have a five dollar rebate from Goodwill, a ten dollar one from Salvation Army, I donated two thousand dollars to a charity. Like, and to break down all those line items to get you the most money. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's not worth it to pay an accountant to spend their hours mm-hmm. like breaking down your tax stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to just go to TurboTax, pay the sixty bucks for a license, punch in all your stuff, get and it's honestly what's changed is that the software is so accurate that if you brought it, if you did it on the software versus bringing it to a real person, mm-hmm. most of the time the difference is going to be 20, 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And for people, it's not worth that to pay an accountant. Most accountants charge like $200 to do your taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. TurboTax is 60. I'm losing out on 20, 40 bucks. I'm in for a hundred when originally I would have been in for 
200. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's the only difference is that like, you don't really need people anymore because there's just a software where you can punch everything in and you basically are saving money most of the time. Now there's like, my family uses like a personal account, but she only charges like 40 bucks. Family friend or someone? Yeah. Like my parents have been going to them since they got married. And Mm -hmm. so we just get shoehorned in, but she only charges like 40 bucks because she just has a system and it's easy and Mm -hmm. But really, for the most part, most accounts aren't that cheap, so it's just better to buy a TurboTax or something like that and just mm-hmm. fill it out yourself. Mm-hmm. How does the world – this is a really weird question. How does the World Bank work? If there's different currencies, and I know they all hold different weight, different value because of inflation and a bunch right. of other things. How does that work? How are they all interconnected? Yeah, so like everyone's currency, it's kind of – treat like world currency like the stock market mm-hmm. it's like if coca-cola has a factory blow up their stock's gonna go down because like they look volatile they like they don't blow up yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's kind of like like that's sort of what happened in the ukraine russia stuff mm-hmm. like okay some stuff is blowing up i yeah. i'd rather not have ukrainian or russian currency right now because i'm not sure if they can back it Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's kind of how currencies get their value is the currencies with the highest, the currencies with the highest value are A, the ones that don't overprint their money. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you print 10,000 times more pieces of paper than another country, mm-hmm. like, your dollar is obviously going to be worth less than another one's dollar. Mm-hmm. But if you basically just line it up head to head, like, we have the same amount. If we took 1% of this, country's currency and one percent of this country's currency and weighed it up against each other okay which one looks like they could cover which one looks like they could give you your actual gold that mm-hmm. makes that money worth something mm-hmm. and that's why currency goes up and down like britain for a while was up and down because they're on they're on the third prime minister in one year mm-hmm. like that's not really a good look for hold like your currency holding its value yeah it's funny i heard and maybe this is true maybe this isn't because I don't understand a lot about the yen specifically, but I hear that like China is getting to a point now to where they're almost, they're on the brinks of collapse, not just because of population decrease, because of obviously population control, communist country. I mean, for a little bit there, everyone was popping out a kid and now it's like, we can't have this many goddamn people. Right. Because the biggest population chunk are the 60 to 70 year olds. So, You know, so that's a problem. But you also have, you know, if you have like 2000 yen, that would be considered like what we would have like three dollars or something. It's something ridiculous. It's something. Yeah, it's something nuts. And like China's. Is that because they're a communist country? Is that just because they just print? No, I mean, it's like China gets their value because a lot of like Western nations like us, Britain, like send their production over there. Mm. And that's where they get all of their like. GDP from which is like your gross domestic product so how Mm -hmm. much you trade out versus how much you bring in Mm. and so China trades a lot out because they are doing all this manufacturing stuff for other countries Mm -hmm. and so like I think their biggest issue for why their currency is losing value is I think last time I looked 10% of their population is in the middle class and like 0.1 is in the upper class so like if you have 90% of your country living in the lower class and a lot of them in poverty. Like, I think it's just, it's hard to back up a currency. And when like, they're still shut down for COVID, like they're not really letting much, 
like the reason the supply chains are still bad is because they're not really opened back up to like really? making more stuff. I mean, uh, like all the shipping lanes are back open. Like everything's for the most part back open, mm-hmm. but like they're still shutting down heavy. And you, they're, you see the videos. Yeah. yeah. And so like a lot of these companies that want to make sure that their stuff's going to get made is either moving to like Mexico or mm-hmm. bringing it back to the U.S. Because mm. where you get your value is by having that stuff made cheaply. Like it's not cheap to ship. No. A shipping container of iPhones over here Mm -hmm. and unload it and transfer it and all that stuff. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not cheap. So, if you can just move, you can move it to Mexico Mm -hmm. or one of those South American countries, like anywhere where you feel like it's stable enough to be able to have a production facility and be able to rely on the. There's a reason you wouldn't, like Venezuela, people are leaving at the closest second they can get out because they don't, you don't want to be in a country where there's no food in a grocery store. Mm hmm. And so in theory, you could send a manufacturing plant down there and pay people like five cents a day or something stupid because there's no jobs and no security or mm-hmm. you could pay people on bread. I'm pretty sure, but it, <laughs> I can't put a, fa- if I'm Apple, I can't I mean, put a modern day slavery. Yes. So I'm just guessing that, that that's probably something along those lines. Right. But, but if you're Apple, you don't want to put anything down there because there's no guarantee that I can get the semi truck from the plant to the shipping freighter. Yeah. So you have to be able to put these like production facilities in a place where you're, you know, you're going to be fine to be able to drive the product from point A to point B and just get it back to the country. Mm-hmm. It, essentially the top 10% being in the upper class and the, or the top middle class, yeah, 10% middle class, that 0.1%, 0.1% is benefiting off of that cheap labor and American companies right. doing business here so much that it doesn't really matter if, 90% of your country is starving. That's fascinating. Well, like if you're a leader, you'd have to care that your well, yeah. people are starving. And I think. But you're a leader in a communist country, which means that there's correct you know, one guy who really calls the shots. Yeah, there's a pretty good track record of communist countries not really in the, caring. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's and that's the, that's the thing. That system of government, and we're kind of getting off track of the whole money thing, but right. that system of government will never work no like and i like what's interesting so like two things like i listen to a podcast called real dictators Mm -hmm. very interesting all those people if they were born and raised in america would be like marketing directors or like legitimate leaders because Mm -hmm. they're that good at what they do the dictators you're talking about yeah like stalin oh yeah was awesome at what like they're brilliant he was a marketing genius they are brilliant yeah and maniacal ways correct like yes. brilliant in the most evil way possible <laughs> yes. yeah yes. exactly like they weren't good people no. they're just geniuses at being able to do what they do and the interesting part about all of that stuff is like they just like if they were born and raised in britain or yeah um or the uk like they would be like corporate leaders if they could hold back their urge to like kill people legitimately but um natural leaders i mean all of them are natural yeah leaders, great speakers to, yeah. amazing speak yeah <laughs> yes. they'd be motivational speakers which yes. is such a weird thing to think about right but like we we talked about were early christian communities like communist we talked about that in like a class at hope one time mm-hmm. and we were like well no because besides early christian communities who actually shared and like helped each other like all that stuff Every time after that point, communism has been put in place at the point of a gun. Mm-hmm. And unless people want to share and help people out and put in their fair amount of work into stuff, 
yeah. communism doesn't work. Yeah. And especially when you have no bread and have no mm. food to give out, it really, I think, breaks it down pretty relies on everybody. 100%. Sharing. Yeah. And as long as we have humans around, we will have people who want more than what their fair share is. That right. will always be the case. Yeah. And so like, I feel like even Marx was like, it's too perfect. It's too perfect of a system yeah. to even ever work. Because again, it relies on everybody being okay with being yeah. right here, which I'm okay with that, honestly, but I'm at a point right, right now where I'm okay with that. Yeah. Let's say three years from now, I get a lucky career break and all of a sudden I'm in a position to where I'm far above where I'm at right now. I don't, I don't want that same... No. No. It just doesn't. It, it, it sucks how it's perpetual. I mean, it's just, yes. it's a cyclical thing. It will never go away, this attitude of, well, we have it. Why can't you just work harder to get it? Right. That will never go away. But again, it will never work out. And what's funny about Marx, too, is like, like we read all this stuff in college because that's just what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be like educated and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But like he was like communism and the communist manifesto, he's like, can't be put in place if religion's a thing Mm -hmm. and it's almost the exact opposite. Like religion has to be the number one thing in order to get it to work because you need people to believe in all of this stuff. You need a bunch of holier than thou people because they have to give their money away. Right. And you have to work for the person next to you and care about your neighbor down the street and all this stuff. And like, it's almost have to make the same amount as, as farmers do. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that for some inner value. And I think, probably the easiest thing to inspire that for the most part for people is Mm -hmm. religion. Yeah. And that's why you have those like weirdo communities that all of a sudden pop up in the middle of the mountains. It's Mm because well, you have 50 people who legitimately believe that I am going to work for the betterment of the person to the left and right of me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have some sort of system to get people to believe in that, then you aren't going to, you're not going to get that system to work. You deserve the money that you work for. You do. Right. But you know people who run companies. I know people who run companies who make <laughs> far more than what they deserve right. to make necessarily. Yeah. So it's like, where do you find that line? Because I'm always cool with more social programs. I'm always cool with more money in places to where like people need a leg up. Um, but like the whole redistribution of weight or weight. Uh, wealth, wealth yeah. and just essentially just taking that money and just spreading it out over a population, you're going no. to have in any society, you're going to have dissenters and you're going to have that bottom portion of people. So you can't just you can't just implement a law to just yank it back to the middle. Right. That doesn't work. Yeah. It's one of those things where like I think I think of all the imperfect systems in the world that like I've seen, like I feel like capitalism is the least unfair of them all Mm -hmm. because like i totally get that a lot of people work really hard and they don't really get reciprocated for that and like in cash most of the time Mm -hmm. and like there's people i know people who get paid to go hang out with other people and run companies like that's they get paid to fly to chicago for a week hang out Mm -hmm. talk with other really important people get drinks every night and then fly back to california (laughs) on thursday night like they legitimately get paid to do that yeah but i also know that those same people worked 100 hours a week the first 10 years of their career for the most like 98 percent of them besides Mm -hmm. the two percent that were handed it by their dad right yeah 
Um, you 98% of those people put in so much work or got lucky or mm-hmm. believed in something. Mm-hmm. Like Apple people are crazy rich, but they also worked for nothing for like three years mm-hmm. in someone's garage and believed in it. Like mm-hmm. you have to take a chance or you have to put in a hundred hours of the week or you have to have something special that you bring to the table mm-hmm. to get to those places of wealth. And I totally get that once you're at those places, most of the time you don't have to put in the work, but mm-hmm. at some point you did put in the work to get yourself there. And I think they're just enjoying the fruits of their labor. Yeah. And gr- uh, grunt work and dirty work have to come first before any sort of success. Like I asked you a little bit about maintaining your sanity, but are you workhorse? You think you're uh, just one of those guys that just doesn't really need? Compared to my parents, no. no. Uh, compared to everyone else I'm around with at school, 100%. Yeah. Right. Like I, I take full class load and work 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Like to everyone I talk to at school, they're like, that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it just needs... If you get lucky, like you find the right situation, like that's mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I did a lot of stuff in high school that I just don't do anymore. And like, yeah. my time goes towards working and schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll never be as hardworking as either one of my parents. And you know, my, like, you know, my dad, like, oh, yeah. he, when there's nothing to do, he finds stuff to do. Mm-hmm. When there's nothing to do, I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. if I can be on the clock mm-hmm. and not do anything. Right. Um. So like, I'm not as hardworking as them, but like job I'm at now, I left work on Friday night. At five with 55 hours on the clock, mm. um, worked another five hours today, probably going to work five more hours tomorrow. So like I'll be at like 65 hours of work this week. And like for a lot of people, I think that's like hard working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it all. But just you depends. like it though. Yeah. I like, I enjoy the people I'm around. Um, I'm good at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Which isn't the same as liking it, but also like it makes your life easier. I think if you're good at something, you tend to like it more. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if I was. You know, you know, when you belong in a certain space, Um, you know that when you're doing something and you know when you're good at it again, your life is easier. Right. Your life is easier and therefore you like your life better. Yeah. Maybe Michael Phelps's thing wasn't wasn't swimming. Maybe he wanted to be a ballerina or some shit. But you know what? <laughs> he went out and he won how many gold medals? Right. Twenty three. Yeah. He's just yeah. that good at God, right. doing it. You know? Yeah. So I think like I think if you can find something that you love and do it for a living. Great. Like mm-hmm. my parents have always been big promoters of that. And mm-hmm. I like for someone who's going to college for four years and mm-hmm. dropping money on a hope education like i just want something on the back end to pay for the four years at hope and set me up to kind of enjoy life mm-hmm. and i think that's sort of what you have to weigh the balance of is like you're doing something that you love mm-hmm. not necessarily where you're working at right now but like your side activities and what you're working towards is something that you love mm-hmm. um and like i don't love accounting but the benefits that i get from it i do really like mm-hmm. um and just the like I get paid to go out to happy hour. My dad thinks that's ridiculous, <laughs> and that's why McDonald's burger went from a dollar to two fifty. He's like, "You're the reason that everything is so expensive is because I'm paying you uh-huh. overtime to go, uh-huh. go out hang with out. people. Yeah, yeah, go hang out with people exactly. at work. Right? But it's like, I'm like, I did put in a little bit of work to get here. Right? I'm Behind gonna, every lavish lifestyle, yeah, not all of them. I, there's inherited wealth, but. Right behind people who are able to spend their time that way was those hours. Right, you know, that time that was spent doing whatever. Hundred percent. Yeah, and it's so like 
Like I have to do 150 credits in four mm-hmm. years. I got to pass a CPA exam, which 50% of people pass. Mm-hmm. Like it, like it's not an easy route, mm-hmm. but life's pretty, life's pretty comfortable at the other end of it. You just got to get through a certain amount. And I totally get why he gets frustrated because he watches me. He works twice as hard as me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort, I probably like look like I'm being given a lot of things that life's <laughs> a little bit easier for me. Uh-huh. And he did put in the work and the, he and my mom both put in the work and the foundation to like set me up to have mm-hmm. sort of an easier thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to have a job in high school if I didn't want to. Didn't have to pay for my car in high school. Didn't have to pay for like all this mm-hmm. stuff. They sort of like made it so that I could have a leg up and kind of right. get to I think it's I'm always just a reminder just to keep going to. You know, I think that was that was kind of my uh, my dad always made sure to remind me of those things, too. And I think that was just his way of saying, like, hey, just keep keep going. You know what I mean? Don't stop. Don't become a bum. You know, right. Because that'd be really unfortunate. Exactly. With how much money we're investing. Right. To raise a kid for 20 some odd years and then be like, oh, my gosh, what is he doing? Yeah, exactly. Strung out. He's handing burgers out of McDonald's. Yeah, like, this exactly. really feels you know? like just <laughs> I did a terrible job. He's giving job. sexual favors for rent. Yeah, like, exactly. I can't trust this guy. Like, no, like I feel like I failed at some point. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, yeah, I think, I think, I think probably the hard part as a parent with a successful kid is like giving them, giving them the praise that they deserve at that point, but also keeping them humble. And for me, someone who's already very not humble um, and very confident and yeah. cocky person kind of in general, mm-hmm. I think it's very much a line of like, keep them motivated, but also keep them like humble. say enough compliments here and there to like praise like, is a praise is a hard thing yeah. and it has to be calculated because right. I, I searched for it when I was younger. I searched for it all the time and you would get it. But then you started to realize when it was kind of like half assed, like, oh, yeah, good job, whatever. Right. Now it means a little bit more when I get that, uh, you know, good job once in a while. Or, yeah. Hey, I see what you're doing as right. a parent. That's important, too. Like, I feel like you can't 24 seven be like, you're the greatest thing ever. Heck no. You know, the, the, the way that these, you know, especially I work in sports. I mean, the youth sports scene now with parents creating highlight videos and all their custom design bullshit that they fucking wear. Dude, yes. I, I walked up to practice with my pads fucking hanging out. Yeah. Shoulder pads oversized. Like, right. That's like, how you learn how to be an actual a dog. And like what drives me nuts. So like we used to have to like referee flag football games on the weekend in high school. It's like one of our like give back initiative stuff. Mm-hmm. I I got hurt on a Friday night, spent an hour in the training room after the game, then went home and slept and then woke up at six in the morning to go ref these kids games. And I have like a yeah. I have like my ankle wrapped up and I just went and saw the trainer and this dude comes out to me. I'm reading the flag football rules before we walk out there because it's some weird collection. And I get up there and I'm like five minutes in this game and this dude walks up to me. He's like, hey, you doing all right? I was like, yeah, why? He's like, you've missed like three calls and I just want to make sure that you understand the rules. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, I know that kids your age like to go out and drink and get hammered, but being hungover is no excuse for missing these calls. For I'm like, flag I'm football like, game. these are five-year-olds playing flag football. Guys, guys bitter. Yeah. Peyton. He had a kid too early. Exactly. And he's been he living with a lot yes. of regret for five he years. He tore his ACL his junior year of high he, school. He and could never, have been that guy, man. Yeah. And he doesn't like his wife, most importantly. Right. So that's, that's oh my God. No, and I, yeah. And I, so I, I think that's as big of a, like, ba- yelling at baseball umps, like, yelling at refs, I think, is as big of an issue as, like, babying kids because you're just showing that you yeah. can talk back to officials. I think we have a parent issue 
I think it's a lot bigger parent issue than uh, referees yeah. or coaches or anything like that. It's right. a lot more like referees. who's coaching the kid the other 23 hours of the day versus yeah. I'm coaching the kid for one hour of the day and I can right. only do so much. I, I don't think I don't buy the excuse that refs, that umps, um, that all these these people have gotten so much worse at their jobs. I don't buy that excuse. I I do know that cameras have gotten better. I do know we can see everything that much more. And but I just there's so many parents living vicariously through their kids. You know, it was like the and this is not normally me. I don't address that stuff very much on a broadcast. I specifically don't address the people around me, but I almost had a break in our last basketball game, NAIA game, Cornerstone playing Indiana Tech. There was a foul call. Some tech fans just, I mean, just just belligerently loud for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, dude, this is the NAIA. Your kid yeah. should be delivering pizzas at right. Domino's, but he's playing basketball. So be thankful, Right. That you have the opportunity to come here and that someone actually wants to referee for your nose kid. Right. Shut your mouth and sit down. Yes. We have a parent issue. Right. In I my think mind. 100%. And like my girlfriend, like, so she didn't get to watch me play in high school or whatever. And then she saw me play at Hope and she's like, you, you live and breathe and die football. If you don't want to coach because it's too much of a time commitment, she's like, why don't you referee? Because it's like. There's nothing in the world. Hour, yes. I was like, I'm sorry. Nothing in the world. I'm like, you wouldn't even have to pay me if the job, if I didn't have to deal with parents, you wouldn't have to pay me. Because <clears throat> yeah. like, I want to give back to the game of football. Mm-hmm. But the two ways of doing that are either coaching and it like for me, because I'm addicted to football, right. like I would spend 40 hours a week on a coach, like on a part-time assistant coaching job. Like mm-hmm. that's just who I am with football. Right. And I'm like, if I was a referee, like you don't even have to give me a check. Just... Can you tell Billy at the top of the bleachers to please duct tape yeah. his mouth shut so I don't have to listen to him for the rest of the game? Yeah. And I would 100% do it. But mm-hmm. you just, everyone knows those two dads who stood at the top of the bleachers when they, from the time that they were five till they were 18 in high school mm-hmm. and yelled at the refs with the top of their lungs. Mm-hmm. And that's why no one wants to go into refereeing is because. <laughs> no one wants to ref. No one wants to ump. No one wa- no. wants to work at fast food or any of these other places. Why? Well, I wonder why. It's because you're, you're a dick. So, yeah. and no one wants to. If you're going to be that. treated like terribly all day. Yeah. No, I don't No, You couldn't pay me enough money in the world. No. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'd someday you find a way to give back to the sport. I mean, it. in my mind, it, you know, even if the broadcasting thing doesn't pan out, I'm really hoping to get into some sort of front office, still work in sports somewhere. Right. I mean, that would be, you know, the ultimate goal. But accounting seems to be working out well for you right now. I would ask you more questions about numbers. But again, I'd, I would just get lost yeah. at the end of the day. But thanks for stopping by. Yeah, appreciate it. Episode 81 with Peyton Cochran on the Hang With Wayne podcast. <laughs>